welcome everyone to do well and do good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. and welcome back to the show. I couldn't be more excited to talk to you about my guest today, someone who solves a very real pain point that I know I am feeling in my business and I'm sure a lot of you are as well. But before I tell you more about that, today's episode is sponsored by Needles Eye Media, the premier media buying partner for seven-figure personal brands and other digital product businesses who are looking to scale their customer acquisition with paid traffic. Now, we have already filled one of the two open client spots that I mentioned to you last week, which means that we only have one left. So if you're already spending $10,000 a month or more on paid traffic and are looking for the expertise and execution to help you grow, then reach out to me, head over to needleseyemedia.com or look for the link in the show notes. Now, without further ado, my guest today is Nathan Hirsch, and he's the founder and CEO of freeup.com that is free with three E's and freeup is an online hiring marketplace that serves over 2000 online businesses and paid out over $6 million last year to freelancers all over the world. Now, long before freeup in 2009, Nathan bootstrapped his first business from his college dorm room, drop shipping products on Amazon and ultimately selling over $25 million in volume on that platform. Now, Nathan's personal frustrations hiring through Upwork and other platforms like it created the inspiration for FreeUp, which is on pace to hit $12 million this year. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited to have you here. Yeah, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I, you know, like I mentioned in the intro, you know, I'm especially excited to talk to you because I know that hiring, it's, you know, arguably the biggest pain point that, you know, that entrepreneurs we face in our businesses. And, you know, I believe the the inspiration for FreeUp really came out of, you know, your own difficulties in this area. So I'd love to just start there. You know, could you talk to me about, you know, what your experience was like hiring in your first business and, uh, you know, really how you came around to see the need for a company like FreeUp? Yeah. I mean, I, like you said, I was a longtime Amazon seller. I, I started back when I was 20, 21. And it was pretty tough hiring people when I was that young. I mean, in person, people didn't really take me seriously. And I, I quickly moved to the remote hiring world out of necessity and used the Upworks, used the Fibers and hired some okay people, some people that some really good people that are still with me today. But overall, the experience was just okay. And I, I, I always just wanted a better, faster way. And it, after years and years of trying to find that, I said, you know what, I'll build it myself. And I really tried to take everything that I didn't like uh, about those other platforms and change them and keep everything that I did like. Tell me a story about, you know, a hire for you that went wrong. I mean, what was your experience like trying to do this on your own? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there was so much. I mean, a lot of people will claim they had the skill set that they didn't have, or if you hire someone with a good skill set, you find out their attitude is terrible, or you have communication issues. I can't tell you how many people I've had that just disappeared or missed deadlines or didn't tell us about an emergency issue, and we had to, to spend our time away from the business, chasing them, trying to get a hold of them, where with free up, for example one of the things that we added is as part of our terms of use that freelancers have to respond within a business day at all times. So if a client goes a business day without hearing from a freelancer, they don't have to freak out. They don't have to, to chase them and spend the next two weeks trying to get a hold of them. They can just report it to us. We'll do all that for them. We have their emergency contact information and all that, and they can spend more time focusing on their business. So that, that's just one example. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for you, when you were in e-commerce, you know, you've built this Amazon business, you know, where were you finding people at that time? You know, was it primarily Upwork? You know, how, how were you doing the hiring? Yeah, I mean, I, I was using Upwork, onlinejobs.ph, Fiverr a little bit, um, usually those. But then I also tried some, some different um, agencies out there, VA services, and, and didn't have great experience with those. What happened with that? I poor work quality again. People claiming they could do something that that they couldn't. Um, I mean, one of the things that that we take very seriously on our platform. Again, one of the changes is you freelancers should only be applying to to tickets that they can do at a very high level, tickets that they have experience with, and they should be honest about what they can and cannot do. And if they're not, we're very quick to remove them from the platform. So it almost self-regulates itself because it's not worth it for the freelancer to go through our, our vigorous interview process, get onto our platform, and then get kicked out because they're taking on tickets that they shouldn't have done, where as on Upwork or Fiverr or whatever it is, um, you have a lot more flexibility to, to experiment or, or get maybe trained or onboarded different things that you can't do, where on FreeUp, that's a little bit different. So, I mean, that was one of it. I, I kind of mentioned that the people disappearing. I remember that we hired this agency, this dev agency to build a software for our Amazon business. We got into Amazon before a lot of these Amazon software companies that are pretty famous now exist. And so we hired them. We spent a month um, going through and setting up everything from what software we're going to use to the servers, to the, the blueprint. And day one, they were supposed to, to get started on the work and we never heard from them. And then day two goes by and then day three goes by and we never heard from them again. They completely disappeared off the planet. And I mean, that was a disaster that it wasn't just the, mm. the money that we had already paid them. It was the time. I mean, we, we pretty much wasted an entire quarter on this project that that's just never got going. So that was just one experience. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, one of the big problems that a lot of people run into, certainly that, that I've run into is when you get into a place where you need help, you know, you have to make a hire. Usually you're in a position where, you know, you don't have the time to do all the work on your plate, but you certainly don't have the time to go out and, and find that person. And so, you know, I think it's easy to get into a situation where you're going way, way longer than you really should to make a hire because you simply don't have the time to even execute on that. So, you know, I'm curious, Nathan, putting aside free up for a second, you know, what do you see as the biggest mistakes that people make, uh, that business owners make when going about hiring in the traditional way? 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just not setting expectations. I can't tell you um, how many times I've seen it where the client just assumes something. They assume because their last freelancer did it this way that it would get done. They assume that this project was going to take X amount of time. They assume that the freelancer would get it to them in X amount of time or that someone knew Slack or used a different, a certain communication channel. And none of that was established up front. And, and I always like to go into something and I hire a lot of freelancers. I've got 30 VAs that I've hired on my own platform and another 15 freelancers I use for different projects that, that again, I got off free up. And whenever I start with a new freelancer, I find out their availability. I make sure that they have the skills necessary for the project. I find out when they, what hours in the day they, they usually work. So I know if there's an emergency, how I can get a hold of them. I establish the, the scope of the project and what what's success and what's failure. Uh, I establish milestones and due dates and not just due, time, due dates, but due times as well. It's not due next Tuesday. It's due next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time because if, if I, the last thing that I want to happen is I think I'm getting it Tuesday morning and for them, it's a different time zone. It's Tuesday night and stuff gets delayed. So I really go out of my way to make sure everything is clarified and everything's in writing so that down the line, if there is an issue, there's no he said, she said. I can just go back to this written dialogue where they confirmed every single part of it. And I think as you hire more and more freelancers, you get better and better at that. And every time you make a mistake setting expectations, it's a lesson to be more clear and eliminate those gray areas going forward. How do you know if you need a freelancer versus you know you really need a, a full-time employee or someone to come into your business in that way? Yeah. So I, I kind of like to divide it up between, I can't really comment on employees because I own a marketplace for freelancers, VAs and agencies. And um, I mean, I, I only use people for my own platform. I, I don't have an office in Florida. I don't have internal employees in the US. All of our day-to-day operations are done by, by people in the Philippines, virtual assistants. So for me, I like to divide it up between followers, doers and experts. So for followers, they're five to 10 bucks an hour, non-US. They have years of experience, especially if you get them on our platform because we're not a marketplace for newbies, but they're there to follow your systems, your processes. When you have, when you've built out the systems in your business and you're stuck in the day-to-day operations, that's who you hire to get out of those. And, and a lot of times that's when you'll see a VA 20 hours a week or full time. And, and that's more of that, that traditional long-term ongoing, doing the same work over and over again type role. Then you've got the doers, the the specialists, the graphic designers, the writers, the bookkeepers. You're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. And a lot of times these are project-based, although uh, some clients, and we've got plenty of them that that will hire people um, for for more consistent work, depending on what their business model is. But usually it's project-based with milestones, with, with fixed prices, stuff like that. And then you got the experts, the high-level freelancers, the consultants, the agencies. You might be hiring them to do an audit or to execute a high-level game plan, or you might hire them on a monthly fixed price ongoing to handle the marketing of your business. And they can consult, they can project manage, they can execute high-level game plans. And, and, and then it kind of becomes, hey, do I want that solo person or do I want that agency? And there's pros and cons of both. If you hire an agency, they have their own systems, their own processes. You don't have to deal with managing lots of different people. They're more scalable. They're less likely to get another job and just quit on you. Where if you hire that freelancer, that there's some limitations. They, they can't work 100 hours a week usually. Um, you you kind of, you're not diversified. So all your eggs are more in one basket. If they do quit, um, less scalable, less likely to, or more likely to, to quit or leave um, if that happens. But there's more just pros and cons of both. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I, you touched on one thing that I think is is really a big fear for a lot of business owners, especially going, you know, out and and looking at these platforms to find freelancers, which is, you know, how do you know that someone actually has the uh, the skill or the experience to execute on what they're saying that they can execute on because, you know, I think at this point, you know, pretty much everyone you've talked to has gotten burned, right? You know, like they've hired someone who says, you know, I'm an expert in Facebook ads or or whatever it is. Is, and then, you know, you throw a bunch of money at it and they just can't get results. And you find out, you know, they, they took a course and started advertising themselves as an agency. And so, you know, how do you combat that? You know, how can business owners really, you know, trust that they're getting someone who knows what they're doing, um, you know, and go into the hiring process with that confidence? Yeah. So there's two trains of thoughts here. I mean, you're going to, throughout your entrepreneurial endeavors, you're going to hire people for skills that you just don't have. That's just a, a way of life. And you have to be able to hire people for those skills at a high level if you want to succeed. And so part of it is doing research on those skills. So you know when people are BSing, you know what, what's up to date in, let's say, a terms of use or um, what, what's the, the standard in the industry today opposed to, to six months ago being up to date. Uh, but the other side of it, and one thing that I did for years is I was just hiring people for skill. And and people would have five-star reviews. They might have some references, portfolios. And a lot of times that would just blow up in my face. And it was a combination of, like you said, people saying they could do things, but they couldn't or trying to push the limit of what they could do. But it was also because I wasn't vetting them for attitude and communication. And when I hire people for attitude, I'm looking for people who are passionate about what they do. If they're a bookkeeper, they love bookkeeping as much as I love being an entrepreneur. We want people who don't get aggressive when things don't go their way. We want people who are honest and trustworthy. You want people who can be the bigger person, the bigger man, the bigger woman, because we all know that difficult situations come up where not all clients are rainbows and butterflies, but we want people that can handle those professionally. And then communication is key, how you handle emergencies, responding within a business day, due date, stuff like that. And what we've found is yes, that research is so important and you should figure out how you can maximize what you know to vet people. But also when you hire people that have the attitude and have the communication, they tend to be a lot more honest about what they can and cannot do on the skill side as well. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to attack that on both angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that completely makes sense. I mean, how do you recommend or, and, you know, any, any tips for interviewing, for determining, you know, that, that attitude and that aptitude? I mean, how do you really suss that out in the interview process? Yeah. And in our outsourcing masters Facebook group, we have a free document with interview questions that you can pull from tweak from and all that. The, the biggest thing is to kind of change your mentality when you go into interviews. I think a lot of people, they go into the mentality looking for the right answer when really people get trained on answering the right answers all the time. I once took a college course on how to answer interview questions. It didn't teach me how to do any job well. <laughs> it just taught me how to BS interview questions. And, that, and I'm not the only one. There's lots of different people who spent a lot of time trying to get better and better at interviews. So there's a lot going against you as an entrepreneur. What you need to do is focus on how can I get those red flags? That's what the interview process is all about. 
we talked about skill, attitude, and communication. For skill, what is this person saying that is a red flag that they might not have the skills that they say they do? For attitude, what is this person saying that shows any sign of aggression, that shows that we might not be able to work together, that they don't care about their clients, they don't care about their work, they're just in it for the paycheck? And then same thing with communication. Um, An example of that could be slow response times in initial emails or initial messages. I do a lot of interviews via Skype where we're chatting back and forth and if there's five minutes between responses, something's going on there. Either they're not paying attention to me or they have slow internet or, or whatever it is. So same thing, if you're trying to vet people on the attitude side, you want to design an interview process that is pushing people a little bit, that gives people a little bit of um, controversy during that interview process so you can see how they adapt to that. Sorry. Phone is always connected to the laptop, right? <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I didn't hear anything. So oh, you didn't good. hear anything. No. Weird. All right. I think I finished answering your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so Nathan, you know, I'm curious uh, how how far do you do you go in terms of disqualifying people early? And and I'll give you an example here because I uh, I'm actually in this process right now of of needing to you know bring on more people, you know, get more help in my business. And I was chatting with someone, and it was uh, it was really our you know one of our very first interactions, and and we were going to schedule a call to get to know each other, and I ask them, you know, hey, send me your email address and your phone number and I'll send over a calendar invite so I can call you. And he sent his email address and and did not include his phone number. And I waited a few minutes to see if he was going to like follow up with it. And, and he didn't. And eventually I prompted him again. All right, what's your phone number? And to me, it was such a small thing, but it actually shot up a huge red flag in my mind of, okay, you know, we haven't even gotten started here. And I've asked him for two things. He only gave me one. Uh, and to me, it, it was an it was an attention to detail red flag. Uh, do you pay attention to, you know, those sort of kind of minute signals, or would you say, you know, uh, taking that kind of conclusion from an experience like that is is overblowing it? Yeah, absolutely, and especially on the communication side, because for me, I need I'm talking to so many people. I have. 30 VAs I'm dealing with. I've got all these freelancers. I got my business partner. I got accountants. I got lawyers. If I can't get on the same page quickly with someone without having to repeat myself, without having to re- like take a step back all the time and re-clarify things, that's going to be a huge time waster. So I'm always looking for that kind of stuff. I, I always tell my business partner, I, I, I don't work with people if, if I don't know what they want. <laughs> and a lot of people, a lot of times you can just keep going in circles with people and they don't really know what they want. They're asking for things. You're trying to figure out how to just get this project done and it just ends up a, a total disaster. So I definitely keep an eye out for those things and I'll even take it one step further. You mentioned um, how early in the process, for, for me, it's all about prioritizing the interviews. I think a lot of people that, that I've seen, they'll ask these people all these questions and then at the end of the interview, they'll ask the questions that without those questions being answered, they can't do the, the entire thing to begin with. A, a perfect example of that is if I'm hiring a virtual assistant for customer service to work my graveyard shift, which is the Philippines is a 12 hour difference, so our night is their day, I, I wanna make sure that at the beginning of the interview, I, I, that they can actually do that. And I'll ask them in a bunch of different ways, trying to say, Hey, is there anything in your personal life, anything in the family, anything with health, anything that's going to come up later, that's going to prevent you from working the graveyard time. That, that is what I really need because 
if we can't, if I don't feel comfortable that they can do that long term, I don't want to spend the next 30 minutes interviewing them. So I try to just pull out red flags on the important things. Same thing, you can do it with due dates. Hey, I need this project done by next Sunday. Is there anything that's going to prevent that from happening? Really trying to prioritize your interview in a way where those most important questions get asked first. And if it's not the fit or you don't feel confident with those answers, you don't feel mean about it. You can just say, hey, I don't think it's a good fit. I want to value your time and, and move on and spend your, your those time interviewing people. You, you, you really have to value your time when you're interviewing. Mm -hmm. So talk to me specifically about free app. You know, how are people coming into your platform? You know, what types of skill sets can people find there? You know, how does it work? Yeah. So we spend very little money on marketing in terms of digital ads or anything like that. We, we go on a lot of podcasts. I've probably been on 250 podcasts. We put out a lot of our own content, whether it's podcasts, YouTube, um, social media channels, stuff like that. We work with a lot of influencers that we, we take really good care of their communities. They like us and we, we do content swaps with them, get in front of those audiences. Um, and then we also have a referral program where you get 50 cents for every hour that we build the people that come from you forever, which is probably one of my better business decisions implementing that early. So people, when they have a good experience, they, they tell other people about us. Now, that's kind of how the clients hear about us, freelancers, similar way. Um, I mean, we, we try to get in with freelancer communities, whether it's Facebook groups or there's different meetups and stuff like that. And we do some sponsorships of, of conferences and different websites as well. But we get about 2,000 applicants a week to get on our platform from the freelance side. And we spend a, a lot of time vetting them, taking only the top 1% and letting them in. I don't know if that answered your question. I forgot the, the second part of your question. No, no, it certainly does. Uh, and so, you know, in terms of um, the, you know, the different skill sets, you know, what what are the the biggest areas of the platform, you know, that, that people can find uh, find freelancers for on FreeUp? Right, right. So we have over a hundred skill sets on the platform. We have people ranging from five to a hundred plus per hour. We're very careful not to add any skill sets to our platform. That one, we can't fill at a very high level, but two, we also just have backups for. I mean, just in case something happens, if someone gets sick, we, we cover replacement costs if people quit in the middle of a project or have to take leave. So we want to make sure that your projects get done. If someone can't work for whatever reason, we need to have a second person with that same skill set that can jump in and make sure that you're taken care of. So for, for us, I mean, it's not like, hey, we only specialize in customer service or Amazon or, or whatever it is. If you would ask me three years ago, we, we started off as more of an Amazon platform for Amazon sellers to hire talent. And we kind of expanded to e-commerce and then expanded to marketing and overall business. And the cool thing about the marketing industry is it kind of trickles into to everything else. So it, it's really a pretty wide range, whether you want those followers, the doers, or the experts across over 100 skill sets. Now, talk to me about, you know, what happens when something isn't working out? Because I know, you know, in, in my experience, I've had situations where I hired someone, I poured, you know, a ton of energy, a ton of time into training them and eventually realized that, that it just wasn't working out. It, it wasn't the right fit. And, you know, I know, especially in the, the early stages of, you know, having, uh, having employees or having freelancers, 
the parting ways with someone, it's an extremely difficult thing to, to go through. You know, no one wants to, uh, you know, wants to have to fire someone or wants to have to have those conversations, but they're absolutely critical. So, you know, I'm curious, do you have any advice for business owners who find themselves in a situation where they're realizing that something isn't working out and, uh, you know, really how to go about, um, you know, either correcting the, uh, the problems and, and providing that feedback or, you know, ultimately having to let someone go? Yeah. So the way that I handle it is I pause all work. If, if someone's not communicating, if someone's not doing high quality work, if someone's not meeting my expectations or not doing stuff we agreed to, everything stops. And then when we pause, we take a step back and we get on the same page. And we don't leave that meeting until we're on the same page with written expectations. And then we start over again with a very short leash. And if a little time goes by and they're still not doing it, again, all work pauses, we take a step back, we get on the same page, we don't leave that meeting until we're on the same page. If during that meeting we can't get on the same page, I mentioned before about not being able to do that, how that's a huge red flag, then yeah, I'll part ways. Usually you can get on the same page, but if you find yourself repeating that activity three or four times, at some point you have to make a move. So I, the mistake that I see a lot of people making is someone's working and they're, they're doing an okay job. They're not an A player. They're not a B player. Maybe they're a C plus B minus player. And it's kind of a pain to get rid of them. It's a pain to stop the work. So they just keep it going and they're trying to get feedback and reset expectations while work is continuing. And for me, that, that almost never works out. I always mm -hmm. want to pause everything, make it clear that we cannot proceed forward unless we're on the same page with expectations and you're meeting those expectations. And there, there's no in between you either are or you are not. And, by establishing that, I found a lot more success resetting them. And I, I've seen it happen a bunch of different ways. Um, one person that's still on my team today, he was, he was a bookkeeper and, or he is a bookkeeper and he was a rock star for two years. All of a sudden he started making a bunch of mistakes and I did that. I paused work. I took a step back. Turns out he was just burnt out coming off busy season. And that was the solution to everything was giving him a, a week off and, and I gave him a paid week off and all that. And he came back and he's been killing it ever since. So if you don't take that pause and, and have a meeting and try to get on the same page, you're not able to get that information to, to try to solve that problem or, or see if that problem is solvable. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to a business owner who, you know, perhaps hasn't worked with remote freelancers before and is nervous about, uh, you know, working with people on dramatically different time zones or, um, you know, having communication barriers, that sort of thing? You know, what, what advice would you give to someone who's really new to uh, this whole world of remote freelancing? Yeah, the, the time zone things can be a challenge. I, I think the biggest thing is you have to know what you want. If you don't know what you want in the in the way that you want to work schedule-wise, that's where the issues happen. And there's so many different ways in the gig economy to 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 really schedule out a freelancer. I mean, I have some customer service reps that are, are working set times, either US time, graveyard times, a split schedule, whatever it is. And I make it make sure that they're working those times because that's when I need them. Then there's a graphic designer that I don't really care when they work as long as they hit due dates or other people, they might just need some little overlap where, hey, just check in with me every other day at 10 a.m. or every day at 10 a.m. Or, or I don't care when you work your five hours in the week as long as one of those hours is at this time. So for you, you have to set that up ahead of time, know what you want and hire someone that can meet that. If I hire someone and we agree to something and they're not following whatever we agreed to, I'm probably not going to work with that person. 
what I see some people do is they say flexible schedule, but they don't actually mean flexible <laughs> schedule. And then they, they realize that this person's working completely opposite times. They never set a check-in point. They have to work, work they have to wake up at 2 a.m. to get a hold of that person. And if you, if you have flexible times, then, then that means flexible times. You have to establish exactly what you want up front. Going along with that, you know, how do you create culture in an environment where, um, you know, where you do have people working in, in different places, different time zones, you know, you, you maybe you're only communicating over email because of that, you know, how do you create a cohesive company culture and make sure that, you know, you're not only, uh, you know, not only just delving out work to the, the people on your team, but you're also building relationships with them and, you know, creating that kind of work culture that's going Going to you know make people want to stick with you for the long term? Yeah, it's a perfect timing for that because we, with my VAs, not with the freelancers, um, my VAs in the Philippines, we do our one-on-one meetings every quarter, and I was checking in with them today, and it was the. the the third quarter just ended and some of the stuff I I was asking them was, Hey, tell me, tell me how you're enjoying your role, but also tell me like, how, how's everything going in your personal life? Well, how's your work-life balance? Trying to get that information. Also trying to figure out what actually motivates people. That's part of your job as an entrepreneur. And for everyone that's different. Some people care about title. Some people only care about money. Some people care about being able to learn new things and, or, or change roles over time. Other people just want stability. They might be a, a stay-at-home dad, stay-at-home mom, and, and and they just they don't really want to move at all. They just want to know that they have time for their kids. So if you don't spend the time to get that information, it becomes very hard to motivate people. And if you can't motivate people, it becomes very hard to build that culture. So getting that information is key. Knowing what's going on inside your, your different teams or sub-teams is important. I know when I'm doing the one-on-one teams with the leaders, I'm asking them how other people are doing, how's their skill, how's their attitude, how's their communication, trying to get to issues early because a culture is one of those things you can spend a lot of time building and it doesn't take much to, to just wreck it. It could just take one bad apple. So trying to get ahead of things and and being organized yourself. It, it all kind of trickles from the top down. If if you're missing meetings, if you're not getting, if you're not um, doing the same thing every single time and showing a level of consistency, if you're firing off rude emails and putting people down, all that stuff hurts that that culture. So you got to set what your culture is going to be across the board and, and make sure you're living by it and, while continuing to check in with people and making sure that they're happy in that situation. That makes complete sense. Well, you know, Nathan, throughout this conversation, you've you've talked about, you know, a few different things that make free up different from, you know, the other platforms out there. But just to tie it all together for us, you know, how would you differentiate your platform from, say, an Upwork? And, um, you know, what what does make free up different? Yeah, so we get thousands of applicants every week, virtual assistants, freelancers, agencies from all over the world. We vet them for skill, attitude, and communication. Top 1% get in. We make them available to our clients quickly whenever they need them. It's free to sign up, no monthly fee, no minimums. It's in our best interest to get people, freelancers that they're actually happy with and like going forward. Clients don't have to browse. They put in a request and we fill it. We normally fill it with one person by default, but if you want to meet three, five, 10, whatever that number is, let us know. We're happy to send you that many options. You can meet with them, interview them. If you like them, you can hire them, negotiate rate, agree to fix prices. The freelancers set their own rates. And if you don't like them, you can click pass or provide us feedback and we'll get you someone else based on that feedback. And on the back end, we have 24-7 support in case you have even the smallest issue. We're always there. 
and a no turnover guarantee. If people quit for any reason, we cover replacement costs, get you a new person right away. And that's really how we're different. The, the pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service and the protection. So it sounds like it really is more of like a, a white glove type of, uh, you know, concierge service for freelancers, you know, more than, uh, you know, an Upwork where you're having to, you know, dive through profiles and, you know, kind of filter through in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's more, we call it a, ha- a more hands-on marketplace because it is a marketplace. A freelancer set their own rates. We can't make them take on projects that they don't want to. And the work is between the client and the freelancer, but we're also there to, to make sure people have a, a good experience and, and not just clients. I mean, we know these freelancers can go anywhere to offer services. We want to build a, a community and, and a business that, that they like, that benefits them just like it, it benefits the clients. And our 24-7 support is, is there for the freelancers too. We want to help them grow their freelance business and get ahead of issues early and, and all that stuff. Well, Nathan, you know, I just, I couldn't be more excited to be able to share this with my audience because, you know, I know that I have personally, you know, really felt, um, you know, felt a lot of these pain points in, in a very deep way, you know, with making hiring mistakes, with bringing on the wrong people, with, you know, not setting expectations or ensuring the good communication. And so, you know, I think what you're doing is, is really incredible. And, you know, as we wrap up here, I'm curious, you know, do you have any, any parting words, any final advice for an entrepreneur who is new to hiring? You know, maybe they've, they've been, you know, in the game by themselves and, and now they're, you know, bringing on those first few people, you know, what would be, you know, any last words of guidance for that person? Yeah, don't give up. No one has a 100% hiring record that just doesn't exist. But the difference between being that 85% to that 20, 30% um, is a lot of times the difference between success and failure in business. So focus on what you can control. Um, and that's how you set expectations, how your interview process is, um, how how you handle issues after the fact. And, and that's what's going to lead to you having more success hiring and more success in business overall. Well, Nathan, I can't thank you enough for that. Now, before we say goodbye, where can people go to learn more about you? And of course, to get started with FreeUp. Yeah. So we have a Facebook group, Outsourcing Masters. If you go to freeup.com with three E's, my calendar, my team's calendar is right at the top of the website. Um, And yeah, my team's very easy to contact, create a free account, get a $25 credit for imagining this podcast. And I look forward to helping your community. Amazing. Well, Nathan, it's been such an honor to have you on. Thanks for doing this with me. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, that's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to genuinely thank you for giving me this gift of your time and attention. If you are getting value from the podcast, the most helpful thing you can do is leave a five-star review and share this with your friends. It truly means the world to be able to spread this message with you, and I'm so grateful for your help. So with that, I hope this episode has inspired you to go out there and do well and do good. And I'll see you back here next week.